Hi, I'm Josh and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art and craft of nature photography. It is the 15th of January 2024, podcast number 88 of season four, and this is a long overdue retrospective. Well, not long overdue, this is the podcast retrospective that I normally do a written report for, which I've called historically 2023, in this case, a retrospective, and 2024, what's in store. Now, it's typically been a fairly lengthy, or very lengthy, blog post that takes me a long, long time to put together. And uh, based on the time I have had available uh, at the end of last year and at the the beginning of this year with all the travel, I decided to do a podcast. And... uh, to wrap it all up in the one podcast. So this is going to be a retrospective on 2023, the travel I did, the places I went, the photography I did, what was good, what was bad. And then also 2024, looking forward, although we're now well and truly into 2024 with my first trip already wrapped up for the year, which was the Palace Cat to the eastern region of Mongolia. And I actually published a trip report on my blog for that yesterday. And I'll actually put a link to that in the show notes as well. I've put quite a lot of behind the scenes photographs this year. Uh, That's something I really wanted to do, just to show a little bit more of what goes on behind the scenes rather than actual just photographs. Although I've obviously included some photographs of Palace Cat as well, uh, including one that is probably one of my favorites from all the visits I have done there, which was just a fantastic moment when the Palace Cat stood beautifully on the snow in soft evening light. It was wonderful, absolutely incredible photographic encounter. So let, let's get into the retrospective. So <clears throat> 2023, or the start of 2023, already seems a long time ago, but I actually kicked off the year with the same uh, Palace Cat expedition to the east of Mongolia, which ran from January 4th to January 10th. So actually the same dates as the trip I just finished this year. This was it was a much requested trip for 2023, and it was really as a result of the scouting trip I had done there back in 2019. Uh, I had been requested uh, extensively by people to put a trip on for Palace Cat, and that was the trip. It was a fantastic trip. It was great to get back to Mongolia in winter uh, and to have some snow on the ground. And at the end of that trip, I actually stayed on and I ran a separate trip in the far west of Mongolia for Snow Leopard. And this was the first time I'd been into the western region of Mongolia. It turned out to be a pretty incredible trip. We did have a bit of an epic getting there. Uh, the flight into the far west of Mongolia that we were supposed to take from Ulaanbaatar was cancelled by the flight company. They could not advise us when the when they could put us on a new flight. Uh, in fact, it looked like it was going to be several days. So that meant we were going to lose a good portion of the trip. So I made the decision we were going to drive. It was a very long drive in excess of 12 hours. Uh, so it took us quite a long time to get there, but it ended up being a pretty good trip. We had some great sightings of the snow leopard. It was tough. It's uh, it's always difficult when you're operating in extreme cold at altitude. In this case, it was around about the 10,000 feet mark uh, with temperatures around minus 20 to minus 30 degrees. So it was cold. Uh, and it was difficult up in the mountains. It's not a trip for everybody, the snow leopard. I think, you know, you need to have a reasonable level of fitness. Uh, you need to be able to cope with the cold and you need to be able to cope with altitude as well. And also tempering expectations. You know, snow leopards are incredibly difficult to find. Uh, and even when you do find them, often it's very, very difficult to get a clean background. Quite often they're against the rock. It's very unusual to be able to get them in a situation where you've got a nice clean background. So, Having said all of that, you know, it was a fantastic trip. I enjoyed it very, very much. And some good images did result from that trip as well. I will be going back to the western area of Mongolia. Not this year, not 2024. I just have too much other travel on my plate at the moment. But certainly 2026, 
2025. Yes, 2025, I'm looking at returning to Western Mongolia for another snow leopard trip. I will take just a few people on that trip. And again, just for the reasons I outlined, it's quite a difficult trip, both logistically and from a fitness perspective. Uh, after that, I travelled to Iceland for my annual Arctic uh, fox trip. This is a trip I've been leading for many years now. It remains one of my favourite trips for wildlife anywhere in the world. Uh, the place we go to up in the Hornstrand in Nature Reserve is fantastic. The foxes are protected up there, so they're very, very... Um, they come very, very close to the cabin where we stay, uh, which means we have pretty incredible opportunities to photograph them. This year was... Uh, both joyous and sad for me in that uh, the fox Basil that I, <laughs> I had nicknamed Basil some years ago that I've been photographing for many years actually died this year. Sorry, died last year just after uh, we completed our trip. He died of old age. Uh, thankfully, he died on a full tummy, so um, at least he went out in a, in a good way. But uh, it was a little bit sad, but it was great to see him one last time. Uh, we had fantastic conditions on that trip with a lot of snow. Um, in fact, we had a little bit of everything. We had some sunshine. We had some rain. We had just a little bit of everything on that trip. But fantastic images resulted from that. I then came back to Australia for a little bit of a break uh, before I travelled to Canada. Now, this was going to be my Ellesmere Island expedition that ended up being turned completely upside down by Canadian North who actually failed to get me to Ellesmere Island in time for the expedition. Uh, so I missed out on that expedition, unfortunately. It was a bit of a disaster logistically in that regard. It didn't leave a good taste in my mouth with Canadian North, the airline, uh, who not only failed to get me to Ellesmere Island uh, and could not get me there until the expedition would have been basically over, but uh, also refused to refund any money for the flights as well. So I'm kind of done with Ellesmere Island after that experience with Canadian North. It's not something I really want to go through again. Five flights from Ottawa uh, is a long, long way from anywhere uh, and also incredibly expensive. I mean, the flights from Ottawa to Ellesmere Island run in the order of seven to $8,000 Canadian. So it's a very, very expensive place to get to. Uh, and logistically, it's incredibly difficult as well. And of course, no guarantee for white wolves either. The group did have a good trip. Uh, they didn't sight wolves, but they did get some great fox encounters and also, I believe, some muskox encounters as well. I'm still very sad I'm missing that one because it was probably my last opportunity to get to Ellesmere Island. I don't think I'll get back there. Um, a combination of the logistics, the cost, uh, all of that sort of puts me off trying to run a future trip there. Uh, it is an amazing place. Certainly the year before when I was there and we had Arctic hares was fantastic uh, in snow. And I really need to get around to printing some of those uh, some of those images. In April, I returned to Svalbard last year. This was my winter trip, uh, or ship-based winter trip, I should say. It was also a fantastic trip and it actually resulted in one of the best polar bear encounters I've had in recent memory. We were fortunate to discover this bear uh, and I did actually talk about this in a podcast podcast earlier, but I think I'll just reiterate it. We discovered this bear in front of the glacier a long, long way away in the archipelago. And the bear looked a bit bored. It wasn't really coming close enough for us to photograph. We could just sort of see it through the binoculars. And I made the decision anyway to put zodiacs in the water with the hope that the zodiacs might attract the bear's attention. And in fact, they did. And the bear came to the ice edge 
the conditions were fabulous. There was soft snow uh, at the edge of the ice. There was beautiful yellow light. And we had about an hour to an hour and a half with this bear as it walked along the edge of the ice, photographing it from eye level uh, from the Zodiacs. Uh, it was just phenomenal. It really was one of the best photographic encounters of polar bears I've ever had. I think I made somewhere between seven and 8,000 photographs in an hour and a half of, <laughs> of this bear because the conditions were just so good. And when they are that good, you've really got to go for it. And of course, April is a wonderful time to be in Svalbard because of the low angle of the light, because this, the landscape is wearing its winter armor uh, and the opportunities for minimalist photography are just so strong. So it's probably my favorite overall time to be in Svalbard. And I will be returning there again in 2025. I am not doing a trip there in 2024 this year. Just I have too much else on my plate at the moment, but certainly 2025, I'm putting on a winter trip. I'm also putting on a summer trip that is 19 days long, but I'll come to that in a little while. After Svalbard, I returned to Australia for a break again before I travelled to Africa. This was for my Zululand South Africa Masterclass. This is an opportunity to photograph African wildlife from hides at ground level, uh, as well as walk with cheetahs, uh, and of course have also have traditional game drives as well. Again, fantastic gr uh, group and a fantastic trip. I actually took over the entire game park for the duration of the trip. That meant we had it entirely to ourselves. It meant that we could split up amongst the hides and spend a lot more time in the hides uh, than we would normally would, would otherwise be able to uh, if we'd been sharing the camp with, with another group. And that's, I guess, one of the benefits of going with someone who always takes over the camp is you don't have to share it uh, with another group. You maximize your time and you maximize your investment in the field. And that's extremely important, I think, especially when you're traveling so far. Uh, we had some pretty amazing light and some fantastic encounters. I made a couple of images I was very, very happy with. Uh, one from walking with the cheetahs, where we actually get out of the safari vehicles and walk with the cheetahs in the in the grass and photograph them at eye level from lying down. Phenomenal experience. Um, absolutely incredible to be on the ground with those cats. And then also I made a great image that I'm very happy with of a male bull elephant at one of the hides just on sunset in beautiful light. And again, I might link to the trip reports for all of these in the show notes if you want to go back and check those out. After Africa, I travelled back to Australia again for a short break before I headed over to... Actually, no, I did not. I, I, that's not correct. I'm, my memory's failing me a little bit. I actually didn't go back to Australia after Africa. I went straight to Barrow uh, at the top of Alaska to do a scouting trip for Arctic birds with my friend Tom. And this was the first time I'd been to Barrow, Alaska. It was an opportunity to... Try and photograph uh, Stellazitis, Spectacularida, King Ida, and other Arctic birds, Arctic loons, uh, and, and just explore that area for potentially for a future bird workshop. And I wrote a pretty extensive blog piece on this trip. And again, I'll link to that in the show notes. I enjoyed it very, very much being up there, but it's not a place I'm going to be running a future trip to. And I talked about that in, in the blog post as to why. After Barrow, I did return to Australia um, before I headed back into Scandinavia and into Finland uh, for my annual Wild Wolves of the Tiger Forest uh, workshop. This year, that was in September last year. And uh, on that trip, we had, it was really, I should have renamed it last year to uh, uh, Brown Bears of the Tiger Forest because we had incredible brown bears every single day. And we didn't actually sight a wolf. Uh, it was the first time I've not seen a wolf during the entire workshop. But we did have very, very good brown bears. 
and a lot of good photographs resulted from that. I continue to be impressed by Finland at this time of the year in autumn. Uh, with the autumn colours, the tiger forest is on fire and the opportunities for great backgrounds are there uh, with wolverine, wolves, brown bears, golden eagles, white-tailed eagles. There's a lot to offer. Um, at the end of that trip, I actually travelled north up to another region of Finland to photograph both golden eagle and um, other birds as well. In fact, I ended up having an eagle owl. I ended up actually having an incredible encounter with the uh, European pygmy owl, which I actually wrote a blog piece on as well. I'll also linked to that in the show notes as well. It resulted in a photograph that I am extremely happy with, probably my favorite owl image of all time, actually. So it was very productive for me in that regard. Uh, after Finland, I stayed in Scandinavia and uh, travelled to Greenland for my Skorsbysund expedition. This was to obviously to the east coast, right on the cusp of winter. This has been my favourite time to visit Skorsbysund, mostly because it's uh, a time of change. It's a time when autumn is uh, passing, there's still some colour in the tundra, but uh, winter is coming and there is snow, there is the first sea ice, stunning icebergs, beautiful landscape. Um, It's not a wildlife destination per se, Although we did have a really fantastic encounter with a muskox, probably again one of the best encounters with muskox I've actually ever had uh, last year. The muskox was beautifully positioned on a ridgeline uh, as the sun was setting, uh, because of that time of the year in Greenland in late September, early October, there is still proper night. So there's an opportunity to do golden hour photography. And thankfully, this muskox was just well positioned for backlight. Uh, the sun was setting in the, in the distant horizon and some very nice images resulted from that uh, from that encounter. You can never predict this sort of thing with wildlife. It is what it is. That's why it's called wildlife. Um, you just have to take it as it comes and enjoy those moments when they do come along. They're always unpredictable. You never know how long they're going to last, but when they last, it's great to be able to make the most of them and to be able to share it with other photographers as well. So I enjoyed that trip very much. After that, I ran an extension in Iceland for landscapes that was to the northeastern part of Iceland. So because we finished the Greenland trip in Akureyri in the north of Iceland, it was a great way, an opportunity to do an Iceland extension, uh, driving around the northeastern side of Iceland and then finishing up back in Keflavik on October the 16th. And so that ran from the 11th to the 16th. So that was a five-day, five-stroke, six-day uh, extension. Again, some very nice images resulted from that. We had a mix of conditions, uh, some strong wind, we had some snow, we had some rain, very typical for Iceland. Uh, and that's pretty much to be expected at that time of year. Again, Iceland at that time of year is transitioning from a short autumn into winter. So certainly the northern part of Iceland was already very much under winter landscape, uh, which turned to rain as we headed south. And again, that's very typical for Iceland that time of year. And then to wrap up the year, I had my Antarctica return to the White Continent expedition, which ran December 8th to December 21st. It had been a few years since I was last on the peninsula. This ended up being probably the best peninsula expedition I've ever had, uh, primarily because we encountered emperor penguins in the Weddell Sea. And again, I won't sort of reiterate the entire trip report that I published on my blog, but I will link to that in the show notes uh, if you want to go and have a read of that. Uh, The decision to go into the Weddell Sea did prove to be an incredibly good one. Uh, And we were fortunate to not only have emperor penguin encounters, but also stunning tabular icebergs in soft light. It was just wonderful. It was a perfect storm this year with uh, the lack of 
sea ice, meaning we can get so far south, and being able to get uh, to the southernmost point of Snow Hill Island, which is just a first for me. And I think it's a first for many, many people. Certainly those <laughs> those participants who are having their first Antarctic experience have been spoiled for life. Uh, getting emperor penguins first time around is pretty amazing. So that was the year that was. That was 2023. And at this point, we are now already into 2024. I did not sit down and work out how many flights I actually did in 2023, but I think it was somewhere between, probably between 55 and 70 flights. Um, that's a lot. Um, it's typically been that many for me in a busy year, and it looks like 2024 is probably going to be roughly the same. Um, as I said, I've already kicked off the year. I've already completed my Palace Cat of Eastern Mongolia workshop. And I just published the trip report to that. Uh, I will be leaving Australia in the next few days for my snowy hours in Canada workshop. This is a workshop I haven't done for a couple of years now, but I'm looking forward to going back very much. The big concern at the moment is that snowy owls are proving very, very hard to find at the moment in the Ontario region in Canada. And that is probably a a factor, probably a big factor of that has been the very warm, warm weather this year, the lack of snow. Uh, it is now turning. It is getting cold in that part of Canada. They have had some snow in the last week. Temperatures are hovering around about minus 10 degrees Celsius. So I am very, very hopeful, all fingers and toes across, that we might get some snowy owls. Uh, of course, we'll be searching very, very hard for them. So I think it's Saturday I'm leaving. So that is a, about six days from today. Uh, and I am going via Doha to, to Canada. This is going to be a very long trip for me because I will go straight from Canada to uh, Scandinavia uh, for my Arctic Fox trip in Iceland, and I'll be staying in Scandinavia also for my polar bears and ice landscapes of eastern Greenland in March. So I won't be back in Australia until the end of March. So that's going to be a little bit over two months I'm away. Uh, that's going to be quite a long period of time. I will be staying in, in um, my new place in Sweden uh, in between those trips. So it just makes more sense for me to stay in Scandinavia rather than flying back and forth to Australia all the time. Uh, the cost of doing so becomes prohibitive very, very quickly. I will have a private trip to Svalbard. Uh, in April. That one I won't be guiding. That will be being guided by a friend of mine. Uh, and then in May, I will be returning to Africa for my Namibia Wildlife and Aerial Workshop Masterclass, uh, followed by my Zulu, Zululand Ground Level Masterclass. So those two run back to back. That'll be May and June of this year. I'm looking forward to that warm weather. Uh, it'll be nice after being up in the Arctic in winter to have some time in the deserts of Namibia and also to be back in Zululand as well. Both those locations are world-class. Namibia especially, we're going to be doing a lot of photography from helicopters uh, and from private charter planes, so there'll be a lot of opportunity to create pretty unique and powerful images on that trip. Uh, then I have a private uh, charter expedition in Svalbard in July followed by a summer trip to Mongolia. This will be my first summer trip to Mongolia for the Palace Cat Kittens. That's going to run July 10th to July 18th. Both of those are actually sold-out workshops. I am looking forward to the experience of Mongolia in summer. I have only ever been there in winter before, so this will be a bit of a first for me, and the opportunity to photograph the kittens should be pretty fantastic. Uh, it's a different type of photography in the summer months than in winter. In winter, we don't use hides, but in summer, we will actually use hides uh, where the kittens are denning. So I'm looking forward to that. As I said, it'll be warm, so it won't be uh, minus 20 to minus 30. Uh, it'll be much, much warmer. And that'll be very nice as well. Then in September, I will have uh, two Greenland expeditions, 
followed by a Iceland Southwestern Landscape Extension. So those will kick off in September, early September and wrap up in early October. So that's going to be a full month of traveling Greenland and Iceland. Uh, and again, that'll be in the Scoresby Sun region. Uh, before I wrap up the year with an Emperor Penguin expedition that's been long sold out in November. That will be my last trip for 2024. Uh, that's going to be a lot of travel again this year, a lot of photography, uh, some new destinations, some not new destinations. It's something I'm very much looking forward to. It's going to be an exciting year. Uh, I look forward to it very, very much. Now, I always do a book pick of the year so my favorite book of the year for 2023 it's the book i haven't reviewed yet but will be reviewing shortly which is vincent munier's new magnus opus uh called munier it's superb as i've hinted at multiple times look for that review in a podcast as well and just in the next few days it's an incredible book i highly recommend if you have any interest in wildlife photography whatsoever that you purchase this book it's a must own it's an incredible source of inspiration. Uh, I won't wax lyrical about it too much more here. Suffice to say that uh, you just need to go and buy it. Uh, not much more need to be said on, on that regard. Now, in terms of equipment, what is my equipment piece of the year? That's a bit more of a difficult one for me. The R3s do remain uh, the most incredible cameras I've used to date. The autofocus is phenomenal on those. But I made the R3 my gear pick of the year in 2022 so it needs to be something different in 2023 uh, and I think you know based on uh, the amount of lenses that I have used over the course of the year I think it's going to be the 100 to 500 millimeter lens from Canon just because it's so incredibly versatile that lens has proved useful for everything from icebergs in Scoresby Sund to palace cats in Mongolia to emperor penguins in Antarctica uh, Arctic Fox in Iceland. I've used that lens just about everywhere. It's incredibly sharp. It's light. It's easy to use. And most of the time, f7.1 at the long end is is long enough. So that that lens, I think, is a must own. I've put a number of clients into that lens, actually, who've been looking to get into long telephoto lenses for wildlife because that lens, in combination with something like a 24 to 105, is a great two-lens solution. You can have 24 to 105, 100 to 500, and you're basically covered for 98% of everything you might need to do photographically. So that's an incredible lens. That's certainly my gear pick of the year for 2023. Now, in a little bit of other gear news, uh, I have just been appointed as an ambassador for Mr. Yarn Gear. Uh, many of you may not have heard of Mr. Yarn Gear, but they make what is a pretty incredible floating hide solution to photograph birds uh, in ponds. They also make a fantastic camera backpack called the Boris. This is a camera backpack that uh, I purchased with my own money. Uh, the reason I decided to try it was I've been looking for a solution whereby I can carry an R3 with a 600mm attached and an R3 with a 70-200mm to attached side by side in the one camera bag and the Boris can do that and still meet airline carry-on requirements So for most airlines. So I'm excited about this new bag. I'm very excited about being invited to be an ambassador for Mr. Yangir. Uh, that's also exciting. Um, the decision to become an ambassador for any product is never a small one because it's a two-way commitment. You commit to not only obviously helping the brand uh, and using their equipment, but also it goes both ways. Um, you need to supply them with work, photographic images, but they also need to help you as well. So it's a, it's a definitely a two-way relationship. Um, I have slimmed down the number of companies that I work with in recent years. Uh, I'm working with Mr. Yangir now. I'm working with Ben Q continue to work with Canon here in Australia, uh, Moab Paper as well in the US. 
uh, X-Rite and Calibrite solutions. And that's about it for me at the moment in terms of view of the, the companies that I am working with. Uh, I'll have more to say about Mr. Yangir, the floating hide, uh, the Boris camera bag, uh, once I get uh, a little bit more time in the field with both of those. So I haven't yet got my hands on one of their floating hides, but if you Google it, and I might actually put a link again in the show notes to that, you can check it out. If you're interested in photographing birds, it's a pretty incredible solution. I definitely would take one of these if I was heading somewhere like the Falklands, particularly at an island like uh, Sea Lion Island, um, where you can actually get into the ponds in a dry suit and get pretty amazing images of the grebes and the, and the other water birds there. Also, places like Iceland up in Mivat, I think that's going to be incredibly useful. And I hope to also test one of these in Sweden as well in the coming months, uh, perhaps when I have some time between workshops as well. So there's a lot going on at the moment. As I said, it's going to be a very, very exciting year for 2024. It's hard to believe that it is 2024, to be honest, and that it's, you know, we're already halfway through January and the first workshop is already completed. So I'm going to try and link to all of those things I've discussed in the show notes. Of course, if I miss them, you can just drop me an email. And just a friendly reminder, if you want to support the show, um, you can buy me a coffee. Again, there's a link to that in the show notes. It costs us around $25 a month to run the podcast. So that's uh, in hosting fees, um, in using things, products like Descript uh, to remove all my ums and ahs, things like that. Uh, we'll see if it actually take, takes out that um and the ah this time around. It may do. Um, and also just the general hosting costs. So, of course, some of you are not perhaps in a position to support the podcast financially, and that's okay. I understand it's tough times for everyone. So even a letter or an email of support, which many of you have sent in, is greatly appreciated, as are the podcast ideas many of you have been sending in as well. Those are also greatly appreciated. I will get to all of them, as, or, as, or as, at least as many of them as I can. Over the course of the coming year, as I said, it's my intention to try and do far more regular podcasts. Um, I was quite happy with the number I did last year, but I think I can improve on it for 2024. So we'll see how that goes as well. So that's about it for now. As I said, I'm leaving for Canada in six days which means there's a lot of work to do here in the office, prep work. Uh, I haven't even started to think about packing equipment as yet. It's too early for that. Uh, I've literally just done the washing from getting back from Mongolia, downloaded the photographs, processed a few, written up the trip report, and I have to get into the business side of what it is that I do. Some accounting, tax, all that sort of fun stuff that needs to be done to keep the, uh, keep the train rolling, as they say. So I think that'll do for today. It's a beautiful day here in Melbourne at the moment. It's about 25 degrees. So that's a temperature shift of roughly 50 degrees from being in Mongolia where it was minus 25. That's taking a little bit of getting used to. And of course, I'll be heading over to Canada where it's going to be minus temperatures again very shortly. So that's it for today. I'm Josh. It has been the 15th of January, 2024. Podcast number 88 of season four. Look forward to seeing you out in the field. Take care.